day. Come on, let's worship. Oh, 
just gave it. That's a reason to rejoice this morning. I've been looking in the chat windows on YouTube and the church website and Facebook, and we want to know where you're joining us from this morning. You are welcome to the St. Paul online worship experience. So let us know in the chat boxes what city and state you're worshiping with us from. As we move forward in worshiping our risen and living Savior, our scripture text this morning is coming from Psalm 133. I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. You can follow along in whatever version that you have. Psalm 133. And the word of God reads as follows. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down over the column of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. The word of God is so very blessed and so are we. Thank you, God. Let us pray. Lord God of the universe, we are so, so grateful. Thank you for giving yourself. Thank you for letting your body be broken for us. Thank you for taking the spit and the scorn and the nails when you knew no sin, just so that when we sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned some more, we could be covered, God. And so we come into worship this morning filled with hope again, God, and expectation, God. We pray that you'll comfort those who are mourning, God, who you, you will deliver those who are oppressed, God. We pray that you will have your way in this place and have your way in every home, in every car, in every job where someone has set aside the time for the sacrifice of praise, to push everything else to the side and worship the God of glory. Lord God, we gather virtually, God, because we know that the building walls don't limit your spirit. You can reach from heart to heart and breast to breast, no matter where we're located. And so thank you, God, that after over a year, we're still standing. Thank you, God, that after over a year, we can still worship together. Thank you, God, that you're proving yourself faithful, comforting, and true. God, we bless your name this morning. We gather together, strengthening each other, God, lifting each other up, comforting those who are bereaved, oh God, and representing the light of Christ that shines through us because of your saving and all some power. Thank you for living for us, God. We're going to live for you and we're going to worship you in spirit and in truth. You have given us the power. You have given us your spirit and through you, we have strength like none other. God, we bless your name. We appreciate you and we love you. Have your way in this service and in our hearts in Jesus name. And we all say together, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's worship our God. Glory, glory, glory to our King. Glory, glory, glory to our King. Oh, I am a whistling, 
Where I, Reverend Peyton, see the children and youth pastor, um, will give uh, this message to our children and youth and to the young at heart out there who also are looking to hear 
um, a message from the word, um, just with a new and fresh eyes through the eyes of hopefully uh, their children and through kids that they, that they are present with. Now, this impact moment today will be titled this. It'll be titled, How Can I Keep Quiet? How Can I Keep Quiet? Our verses today come from Acts 4, and I'll be reading from verses 19 through 20 in the New International Version, guys, which says this. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Guys, our bottom line for today, this morning, is going to be be bold for Jesus. Be bold for Jesus. Right now, as I'm speaking to you, I want the children and the youth that are joining into service right now, but also their parents and the adults, both here in the sanctuary and online right now, to close your eyes. All of us, just collectively close your eyes, please. With your eyes closed, I want you to think about, I want you to imagine, I want you to picture the faces, the people that come to your mind when I ask you to think about those that have taught you about Jesus, that have shared their life with you, as they have taught you, whether in Sunday school, whether they sang with you or directed you in children's choir, or whether it is your parents who have raised you under the stories of Jesus. I want you to close your eyes and think about those faces. Picture them. Now, I want you to open them. You see, the people that came to your mind, the faces that you have pictured, they were bold for Jesus, weren't they? Absolutely they were. These people that you have thought of cared so much about you and your life that they wanted to share the love and the life of Jesus with you. I'm reminded of some of the people that have shared Jesus with me over the course of my life, guys. I'm reminded of some of my Sunday school teachers named uh, Miss Aggie and Miss Taxi. I remember their names. They read me stories from the Bible with passion and excitement on Sunday mornings during Sunday school at my home church in Virginia. I think about those like Miss Terry Blackburn Parker, Pastor Randy, and my parents, Calvin and Debbie C., who walked me through getting baptized when they saw that I knew and that I believed in the love of Jesus. I think about my mentors like Pastor Dale and Pastor Todd Gaston, who have seen potential in me because someone saw it in them by sharing the love of Jesus with them when they were little. If no one had shared Jesus with any of these people that I have mentioned, with any of the ones that you have thought of, I know I personally would not be here speaking today, and maybe neither would you in believing the love of Jesus where you are right now. So think about the people who have taught you about Jesus, because get this, someone told them. My friend that I mentioned, Pastor Todd, he came to know the Lord through his next-door neighbors. He would have grown up in an unbelieving household, but faithfully, his neighbors kept inviting him and kept inviting him to their local church. At their church is where he heard about the love Jesus had for him and where he gave his life to following the Lord. That's the power of invitation, guys, and it's the power of God's love that inspires us, that inspire the people that told us about Jesus to tell the world about him. It changed Todd's life to go on and be the pastor of Mount Ararat Baptist Church in Stafford, Virginia, where I used to work in the student ministry. And that's where I met him and where he began mentoring me. 
And I think it's what led me to preaching to you today. Because you see, everyone I have mentioned and the faces of the people that you are seeing and thinking of right now, they couldn't help but speak about what they have seen, about what they have heard, about Jesus in their own life. So they've told us, now it's our turn. Be bold for Jesus. Again, let's take a look at our verses for today, guys, where Peter and John are being bold for Jesus. Acts 4, 19 through 20 says this, But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Guys, before our verses for today, Peter and John had been speaking and teaching the people while announcing that Jesus had risen from the dead. Amen. That is the good news. That is amazing, awesome news, right? Absolutely it is. But sadly, there was a group of religious people among the Jews called the Sadducees. I know, big, big word, right? Sadducees. They didn't believe in Jesus. And get this, they didn't want Peter and John to preach about Jesus when they saw that more and more people were starting to believe in this man that they did not believe in. Peter and John responded simply by saying that the world can be saved by no one else but by Jesus only. Everything they had done, they said, was all for for him. It was all for Jesus, including healing a man who was physically ill that was present with them. And they let the religious leaders know with great courage and boldness that Jesus was alive and he was alive with them. Guys, Peter and John tried to preach to the leaders as they stood before them, but these men, the men that they were preaching to, the leaders that they stood before, they saw the disciples teaching and preaching as a threat. These men thought Jesus, when he was alive, was fake, that he was a liar, that he was even a crazy man. Isn't that, isn't that wild? The one that we believe in, the savior of the world, was believed to be crazy and a liar by the religious leaders at the time that he lived in, guys. They didn't think there was any way that Jesus was the savior of the world and they wanted Peter and John to stop sharing Jesus with other people. But to this, Peter and John responded and I think their response should be something that we pay attention to. Which is right in God's eyes, again they said, to listen to you or to, ju- or to God. You be the judges. But as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. You guys, Peter and John had been around Jesus. They saw him heal people. They saw him perform miracles. They saw him live his life with the love for God and for other people. They saw him die, but then they also saw Jesus rise from the grave. There was nothing that was going to stop them from preaching about Jesus. This man that they had saw do what no one else has ever done in human history. They saw him speak about the love of God with other people, and they wanted to go and do the same. And guys, their example of courage and boldness to preach about Jesus in the face of threats and in the face of fear should give us some encouragement for when we speak to others about Jesus. Guys, I want you to know that the same spirit that was with Peter and John, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of our Lord and Savior will give us too that same courage, the same words to tell our friends and family and everyone we meet about Jesus. We don't have to be afraid of anyone or anything because Jesus is with us as we go. Jesus was with the people that first told us about the love of God, our mentors, our leaders, our teachers, the ones I asked you to think about. 
My friends, after everything Jesus has done for us, it should give us something to shout about. So that's why the title for today's message, the question I ask us is how can we be quiet? How can we stay silent when the first followers of Jesus did not? And guys, neither should we. We have so much to praise God for, such an awesome purpose to live for because, oh, happy day. Jesus has washed our sins away. We can live for him. Guys, Jesus is alive. Together, let's be bold for Jesus. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much this morning for the wonderful gift of your son whose spirit can give us the boldness and the eagerness, God, to share his love with the world. God, I pray that you would inspire our children and youth, that you would inspire myself, you would inspire the adults, the parents, everyone listening right now, even in this kid's moment, God, to go and to share the love of your son Jesus with the world. He's done what we could not do for ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for that. Help us to live for him, to live for you. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you all. I love you guys. St. Paul, disciples, family, and friends, we cordially invite you to join us for our 121st church anniversary celebration, where we welcome our guest preacher, Dr. W. Franklin Richardson. Anniversaries are about God. They're about how God has been faithful. You want to know how we... God's my daddy! My daddy! He shielded me. I've seen the lightning flash. I've heard the thunder roll. I've felt sin breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. But I heard the voice of Jesus. Tell me still, fight on. He promised never to leave me. Never! Never! Amen. Amen. We are looking forward to next Sunday as far as our church's 121st anniversary. And we thank God for the ability to be able to celebrate 121 years of being on the battlefield for the Lord. I don't know about anybody else, but that is a blessing, beloved, to be able to say that we are still doing the work of kingdom building. My good friend and classmate, the Reverend Dr. W. Franklin Richardson, uh, will be our guest preacher. He and I, we are part of the original Wyatt T. Walker Scholars, that first cohort of the late Reverend Dr. Wyatt T. Walker, who we did our doctoral work with at the United Theological Seminary, uh, having graduated back in 1997 with our uh, D-men. And of course, I'm looking forward to him being a blessing as far as our church's 121st anniversary is concerned. I want to encourage you right now, uh, pull together uh, your uh, special offering for next week. We want to give at least $1 for every every year that our church has been in existence above your tithes and offerings. So that would be $121. And that is what we're sowing into the work here at the St. Paul Church. So join me as far as that venture is concerned. Amen. As we move forward, as far as our sharing and uh, Deb has put a whole lot of stuff on my plate to share with you all, but I'm not going to do all that today because time really is of the essence right now. 
but I want to let you know a couple of things that are coming down the pipe. Number one, that we will be having in the near future a series of meetings with our church staff, key leaders from the board, deacons ministry, medical team, along with first impression intake, music and media to develop a comprehensive re-entry plan for St. Paul for some time in the future. Continue to pray for us. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. And even though things are opening back up, we want to be very judicious as far as uh, bringing people back into the sanctuary because it will not be what it was before. So please uh, bear with us as we uh, come up with a plan as far as a new working and worshiping reality here at St. Paul. Also, just want to let you all know that the Deacons Family Ministry Scholarship application for 2021-22 is available. If you're interested, please contact Deacon Pat Chambers at pattycake0812 at att.net. Pattycake0812 at att.net or Deacon LaVon Sessoms at uh, lsess at hotmail.com. lsess at hotmail.com for applications. Uh, as we also move forward, we just want to let you all know that uh, preparation for our Women's Weekend is in the works right now. The Women of Worth would like to invite all the ladies, all the sisters of St. Paul, along with our guests to share with us online through our worship services, Sunday school classes, midweek Bible study, and for their virtual Women's Weekend with the theme, This Is Our Exodus, starting Friday, May the 14th through Sunday, May the 16th. Friday will be a Zoom prayer call at 6 o'clock. Saturday, they will host First Ladies Tea, in which all are invited to uh, share virtually. You can register online by April 19th, and starting today, you'll be able to receive your special women's tea packet from the church on May 1st, um, when they will also be collecting undergarments for women in need in partnership with a Giving Heart Foundation for our annual outreach project. Then on Sunday morning, join us online for our Women's Day worship experience. Our guest preacher for the tea as well as for that Sunday morning worship is my sister, the Reverend Dr. Susan Johnson Cook. She will be sharing with us, better known as Dr. CJ, a uh, gifted preacher and pastor and activist. Uh, she served as ambassador at large for international religious freedom under uh, President Barack Obama. And so, sisters, I want to encourage you to register for this wonderful, powerful weekend. It will bless you in a tremendous way. Amen, amen, amen. Also, just want to let you all know that we will have quarterly statements that will be going out uh, as far as uh, all the disciples are concerned. If you have your email address, uh, you will be getting a quarterly statement. If not, uh, call the office, ask for Sharon McManus, and uh, we want to make sure that folks have um, their first quarter as far as your um, giving statements are concerned. Ministry leaders, get your budgets in as soon as possible. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, we are making preparations for our church's new physical year as we move forward. As we prepare to um, move forward as far as our worship experience is concerned, uh, and I know this is going to sound strange. Eric, I, where is Eric? <laughs> 
I see some folks in here that I don't know, and I need need to know who these people are in the sanctuary or in the church building. So um, um, I want to make sure y'all have to excuse me, but if there's somebody in here that I don't know, I'm kind of raising a red flag right now. So um, let's find out who that is. As we move forward, as far as our uh, worship experience is concerned, um, just want to uh, bring some prayer concerns before you all uh, as we move forward this morning. And with that, uh, we want to lift up, of course, the family of Brother William M. White, who is the father of uh, disciple Marcella uh, Kanki Patton, uh, the wife of Reginald Patton. His services will be next Wednesday, Sunday. April the 18th, 2021, at the Congo Legacy Center in Wilmington, Delaware, and this burial will take place on Monday in Newcastle, Delaware. The family of Sister Shay Clark, the cousin of disciple Arlene Bird, her services are pending. And um, I'm also wanted, wanted to let you all know that, of course, I have been um, uh, hit as far as... Um, personal loss is concerned. I've had a sister in ministry in Christ, the Reverend Dr. Kimberly Credit, uh, the pastor of uh, the Mount Zion Baptist Church in Boonton Township, New Jersey, want to uh, keep her in our prayers. She died last week. I installed her at her church years ago and want to make sure that um, uh, you all will join me in prayer uh, for her church and for her family. It was so sudden. It wasn't even 45 years old. But um, join me. Um, I believe that her funeral will be, will be taking place sometime this week. We also want to lift up families who are dealing with their own loss and bereavement right now. The family of Sister Jalosha Sales Stone, the sister of Brother Algernon, uh, Jalisha rather, uh, Stone, the family of... Uh, uh, sister of Brother Algernon Williams. Her services were Saturday in Riverdale, Georgia. The family of Brother Eddie Cuffey, the husband of disciple Donna Cuffey. His services were Saturday at Sunset Memorial Gardens in Mint Hill. The family of Mother Ruth D. Lemon, the grandmother of Deacon Eric Thompson. Uh, we want to lift his family up in prayer. Those services were on Saturday. The family of disciple Thomas Bird, the husband of uh, disciple Jeanette Bird. We want to continue to lift that family up in prayer. Uh, the family of brother Frank McClendon, the uncle of disciple John McClendon, the family of Beatrice Harris, the grandmother of disciple Amber Dotson Crutchfield, the family of Deacon Alonzo Pettis, husband of Karen Pettis, and the family of Sister Charlene Heron, the grandmother of Sister Rashika Lata. We want to continue to lift those families up in prayer. Um, that's a whole lot of prayer we need to put forth. We also want to lift up Brother Willie Perry, Ronald Robeson, Philip Dunstan, Anthony Farr, uh, who are in the hospital dealing with significant surgery or a significant illness. We want to cover them with our prayers. We know that God can do anything but fail. Amen. And so I'm going to ask that uh, Reverend Kelly Baptist will come and lead us in prayer. Let every heart pray. 
Our Father and our God, we thank you that you are never absent from our suffering. We we honor you and we bless you that not only did you rise and do you live, God, but you still walk with us and talk with us. And even when we have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, God, you are with us. So, Father, we lift up every name that has been called out today. So many families dealing with bereavement, God. So many who are suffering with sickness, God. It is still true that earth has no sorrow, that heaven cannot heal, God. And so we just lean on you a little bit more this morning. We touch and agree in your spirit, lifting up these families, that they might be comforted, that they might be strengthened, that they may have their hope renewed, that they may let out the tears because weeping happens, but we know that weeping endures for a night, but there is joy when the morning comes, and it may take more than a day or two for joy to come, but that's all right because joy does come in the morning. God, we just bless your name for how faithful you have been that this family, oh God, can still stand together called St. Paul. We thank you for those that you have already risen up from the hospital bed, God, because there are more than bad reports coming forth. You're still healing. You're still working miracles. You're still helping people through cancer. You are still helping people through other sicknesses besides COVID, God. We thank you Lord God, that because of your grace and your mercy, because of the gift of your love and salvation, we are never forgotten and we are not alone, God. Thank you that you sent your son and wrapped him in flesh to walk this earth for us, God. We have a savior who is not distant from what we go through, but in all things, he's been through them. Thank you, God. And he cares. God, we love you this morning. We can gather to rejoice because we know that the end of the story has not yet been reached, oh God. That no matter what struggles we're facing financially, whatever struggles we're facing in our bodies and our families, God. Whatever struggles we're facing with racism and sexism on the rise, God. The story is not over yet. And forever, comma, that the enemy wants to put in our sentence, God. You are the only one with the final say over where the period it goes God hallelujah and we're grateful this morning that your word tells us that by the time we get to the end of the story we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the testimony of the saints God you're working our testimony right now you're working our testimonies right now continue to keep us God we pray in the name of Jesus strengthen us one with another until you bring us back together again where we can lay eyes on each other in the flesh God, but but you already taught us there's more to us than flesh, and where two or three are gathered in your spirit, God, yes. you can still flow. Thank you for your flow, God. For 121 years of faithfulness, God. Somebody's just glad for 121 days of faithfulness that you kept us. 121 hours that you kept us, and you're still doing it. God, we love you today. We trust you, God. And we stand on your word that you who have begun a good work in us will perform it. Will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We trust you, we believe you, we cry with you, and we rejoice in you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, we all say together, amen. 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 If you feel that God is answering your prayer, can you give God praise right now? Oh, we could do a whole lot better than that. Come on, let's give God praise and let's celebrate our God.
Amen. 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 Just want to let y'all know everything is all right in the church. Amen. Uh, my eyes were deceiving me. I thought Diane was somebody else. I ain't going to tell y'all what I thought she was, but I thought she was somebody else. But everything is secure here at the church. Amen. Amen. So I want to let y'all know that Diane is on our medical team. And, of course, she um, does temp checks, but she looked a little fuzzy. I think I need to clean my glasses so y'all pray for your pastor. Amen. Listen, it's time to give. It's time to give. I got my own. I don't need that. Amen. It's time to give. It's time to give. So as we prepare to give, there are three ways you can give here at the St. Paul Church. The first way you could give is by bringing your cash or uh, check or money order to the church. And that's at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Call the church. Make sure someone is here to receive your offering. Or you can mail it to the address that I mentioned. Don't mail your cash, but you can mail your check or money order. The other way you can give is by going online to our church website and giving in that manner. And then the third way you can give is through the app called Givelify. Download that app to your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three three clicks you can give as far as St. Paul Church is concerned. Let me just say that I want to commend all the disciples as well as those who are partnering with us as far as your giving is concerned. It supports the work of ministry that we're doing here at our church as well as throughout the community. And so uh, your giving basically helps keep things going. And even though the church doors aren't open for public worship, the work of the ministry continues to go forward. And that's because of your graciousness and your generosity. So do me a favor. If you're able, if you would take whatever, you, however you're giving and whatever you're giving, if you would place it in your right hand, if you're able and lift it to the heavens, we want to give God what's right, not what's left. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity and capacity to partner with you as far as doing the work of redemption and reconciliation. God, if you would, in your own sovereign way, bless these gifts of ours as only you can. And continue to, oh God, empower us to do your work so you'll get the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and give as our singing ensemble blesses us to prepare us for the preaching moment.
Sunday of uh, what we call Easter Tide, and um, at this time we want to, if we could, I want to call your attention to Acts chapter four. I want to lift up verse thirty-two and verse thirty-three. Acts chapter four, verse thirty-two and verse thirty-three. It reads like this from the New King James Version of the Word of God. Now the multitude of those who believe of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Uh, and great grace was upon them all. That's what I want to preach this morning, great Grace, great grace. One of the things that all of us desire is a space to belong. We want to find a spot, uh, that place where we fit in and where we can have connection, fellowship, love, and comfort, and not be afraid of being our authentic selves because... The Holy Spirit is moving in our lives in such a magnificent, marvelous, and miraculous way until genuine change prompts others to view us differently. I think that one of the things that come to mind when I make this statement is the death of DMX as he struggled as far as his personal demons were concerned, but yet I really believe that he had a relationship with God that empowered him to share what God was doing in his life. And unfortunately, there were probably a lot of churches that he would go to where he would not fit in. 
because he did not have a certain look or a certain demeanor. But I think I can say without hesitation or reservation, if he had rolled up into St. Paul while we were still having worship, he would have fit right on in. We have everything in St. Paul from Yale to jail. And that's the kind of church I'm looking to pastor. One of the things that we must admit is that as we navigate through this thing called life, we have to attest to the fact that God is always doing something new in our reality. One of the things about the movement of the spirit is that we must understand that God is in the process of shaping what is called a new community. And oftentimes, we must admit that the reality of life in the spirit is not based upon what we do inside the church, but rather is demonstrated by what we do outside the church's walls. Spirituality is not best shown up in how much one shouts, uh, claps at the screen, blow up the chat, or even speak in tongues. And even though these are lovely external expressions of the individual, there is nothing wrong with speaking in tongues and clapping and shouting and worshiping. We must understand that the reality of the spirit being active in our life is how we get along with each other. When I gain an appreciation of life in the spirit, it is demonstrated within the community of believers, not in self-isolation or self-containment. Therefore, if I say that I have a relationship with God, but I claim I don't have to go to church, or I claim I don't have to deal with church folks, or I claim I don't have to be part of the community of the saints, then my understanding of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is messed up. Because God, through Jesus Christ, hangs out with people. God, through Jesus Christ, hangs out with faulty, frail, sinful folks. And, and you and I cannot have a truly vibrant, energetic relationship with God and not be in relationship with somebody else. However, you and I can testify that our problem never has been with God. If all I had to do was worship God, praise God, read about God, sing about God, shout about God, talk about God, dance about God, then my life would be pleasant and carefree. The problem comes when God expects, even demands, that you and I engage in caring and sharing because it is within the community that God tells us to demonstrate our relationship with God. Therefore, I cannot say that I have a relationship with God and refuse to connect with another human being. But oftentimes, it's the other human being that poses the problem. I know some would be okay if you could live in isolation and avoid everybody. I know you will feel life will be more pleasant if you didn't have to deal with certain people because they get on your reserve nerve. And you know that reserve nerve is past the last nerve. The problem is trying to get away from people is that God is saying to you, you cannot be a spiritual hermit 
and do life in the spirit. Jesus told his disciples, people will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. So I can't be a disciple of Jesus without being in the midst of the people of God. And the people of God is better known as the church. And we have to admit that every now and then, church folks will make you want to call them everything but a child of God. This happens until you begin to do some serious reflections and conclude that you have not always been where you are in your relationship with God. Someone had to put up with your antics, your shortcomings, your frailties, your faults, your issues, your idiosyncrasies. And there is nobody that's perfect as far as the church of our Jesus Christ is concerned. This is why the spirit moves in our lives and demonstrates something that every person who is watching me online and who is in the church building right now have at that disposal, and that is G-R-A-C-E, the grace of God. For every problem facing the Christian church, for every trouble or limitation that threatens its existence and effectiveness, there can be found in the very struggle itself occasions of grace where God is doing a mighty work. Yet even the most profound grace, the very gifts of God received by the community of faith known as the church that has a specific mission and identity can quickly become problematic and distorted because of the church's incompetence and sinful character and those of us who are part of it. In other words, there is no body perfect grace does for us even what love cannot do that's why even though god saves us by god's love god keeps us by god's grace that's why i love that song amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me Paul writes so eloquently in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any person should boast. When you think about all the hell you have raised, the mess you have done, the sins you have committed, the troubles you have caused, the problems you've created, the evil thoughts that ran through your mind, the bad words that oozed out of your mouth, the crazy things you've done in your body, the negative attitude demonstrated in your life, and you hear God say, I still love you. Church, that is grace. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But nevertheless, we can't be in relationship with God without it. We have been told that grace is God's unmerited favor towards us. However, Thomas Carlyle, that Scottish historian, once commented, and I quote, Grace is more than unmerited favor. If you feed a tramp who asks for food, that's unmerited favor. But it's scarcely grace. But if the tramp robs you... Then you feed him, that would be grace. Grace then is favor shown where there is a positive demerit in the one receiving it. 
Grace turns lions into lambs, wolves into sheep, monsters into human beings, and human beings into representative angels. How many times have we been slack in our relationship with God and the Lord blessed us anyhow? Because if you're shocked by your sins, then you should be blown away by the grace of God. And yet, it is the grace of God showered upon us that should help us appreciate who God is and help us, empower us to love one another. If God can put up with our tricky, petty, obnoxious ways, I ain't talking about sinners. I'm talking about church folk. Then we should drink deeply of the grace of God and be empowered by what grace will do through us. That is how the church operated then, and this is how the church needs to live now. When you manage your life and your relationships from a position of grace, it changes how you treat others and how you view yourself. All of us have been exposed to the grace of God. Sinners have grace because God continues to give them chance after chance after chance. Saints have grace because God continues to forgive us every time we mess up. The early church experienced the power and reality of the Spirit bestowing grace upon them that caused them to act countercultural and otherworldly. Peter and John had been in prison because of their faith in Jesus Christ and them preaching, teaching, and healing in Jesus' name. You all know the story. If you read in Acts chapter 3, they healed the brother who had been lame since his birth. They pulled this brother up by the power of the name of Jesus and then were thrown into jail because they healed and taught in his name. It was serving the Lord that got them in trouble because back then you had a group of people who were trapped by tradition and handcuffed by their religious practices that had no power, meaning, or merit. The religious leaders despised this Jesus fellow because they had tried to kill him. As a matter of fact, they did kill him and God raised him up from the dead on the third day morning. The Jewish religious leaders had issues because Jesus did not march to the beat of their drum. They had problems because Jesus was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and women and young people and children. He declared people to be healed. He was raising dead folks and proclaiming their sins to be forgiven. That was a problem for the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, church folk. After all, Jesus had now gained more popularity than they, but Jesus wasn't caught up in the hype because Jesus understood how crowds operate. And he passed that thought process on to his disciples who were not swayed by the troubles they had to face. Therefore, when Peter and John encountered the same mess Jesus did, they operated in Jesus's manner. When the Lord delivered them from their enemies, they go right back to the other disciples this time, rather than cowering in fear. 
They tell them what has happened with the high priest and the Sanhedrin council. The Sanhedrin council was the gathering of Pharisees and Sadducees uh, who really controlled the religious ethos of the day. The other disciples are told, we are told, break out in prayer meeting, and they had a mighty praise. If I could contextualize it and put it in today's uh, nomenclature, uh, they, they, they sent out a text message, and they sent out a Zoom connect, and they sent out an email telling folks, hey, join us at a certain time. We can't come together because of the pandemic in the same space, but we can come together in the same mind and on one accord and lift up the name of Jesus. I've come to understand that even in these pandemic times uh, that when you learn how to worship God uh, not because of space and place uh, but because of his person and his power you can have a good prayer meeting and you can break out in a mighty praise. Uh, the Bible tells us that they came together in prayer when they prayed the place where their prayer had gathered shook the place. They spoke the word of God with boldness and they were not afraid to testify about the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living but that was not the end the bible tells us that after they had prayer and after they shouted and after they worshiped god they were so together they were so united as the saints of old used to say uh, one couldn't fall for the other there's a common purpose and there is a spiritual agenda that is being formed at this time. They understood that their goal was to build the kingdom of God. Therefore, they came together as one. But there's a phrase that grips my attention, Reverend Baptist. There's a phrase that jumps out and says, hey, preach me, preach me. And that phrase is two words, great grace. How is it? that they experienced great grace. It's right there in the text in these two verses that first of all, uh, grace is displayed that promoted uh, real fellowship. In other words, when you see in verse 32a where these words are written, now the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. In other words, they were on one accord. Goes back to Acts chapter 2. Uh, they had no problem being around each other. Grace will empower you to realize that the same God who blessed you is the same God blessing somebody else. And neither one of us deserves it. Therefore, if grace empowers authentic fellowship then we cannot avoid being in the presence of each other despite how we feel about somebody else. They had no problem worshiping God, praising God, working together because they were moving with something unusual. And this phrase, and great grace was upon them all. There is something to shout about when you hear about grace being upon them all. And anyone in the place, anyone in the house, anyone in the worship service, anyone in the praise experience received the great grace from God. It wasn't just the apostles or the church leaders. It was everybody. It wasn't just Pastor Peter, James, and John. It wasn't just the choir. It wasn't just the trustees, the ushers, 
uh, or shouting John. No, it was everybody. Everybody in the place received this great grace. Everybody in the place realizes that God had been better to them than they deserve. And yet they had the evidence of this great grace. It was not an average flow of grace. It was great grace. It was not everyday grace where you talk about the Lord woke me up this morning and started me on my way and gave me health, life, and strength and put common sense in my mind and joy bells in my soul. This, this wasn't the common grace where you talk about how you got the function of your, your speech and the activities of your limbs and how the Lord let you have your right mind and took care of your physical needs. No, it wasn't just that kind of grace. This is grace premium. This, this is grace ultra unleaded. This is grace super unleaded. This is the grace that if you had all the money and resources in the universe, you still could not afford it. And their actions demonstrated this grace for one another. In the text, you, you have people from different social backgrounds, different educational levels, different financial portfolios, different religious experience, all gathered in the same place. Worldly standards and material possessions did not define the basis of their fellowship. They weren't connected because of the kind of car they drove or the school they attended or the color of their skin or the neighborhood they lived in. No, no, no. They were connected because of the spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Ghost, which served as that transcendent glue that caused them to be on one accord and to have one mind. I feel like preaching this morning. When you're on one accord, when you have one mind, when you're operating with one heart, you ain't competing for the attention of the crowd because you know and understand your role and responsibility. You, you ain't trying to do stuff just to have your name called. You're not trying to promote your agenda. The disciples weren't trying to be the apostles and the apostles weren't trying to be Jesus. They stayed in their lane and did what God had gifted them to do. Let, let me bring this down to our present reality in 2021 in a COVID-19 pandemic situation. Authentic fellowship means there is unity, but it ain't necessarily got to be uniformity. Let me help you understand what I just said. In other words, unity means that we're heading the same direction, that we're on the same agenda. But uniformity means that we got to do everything the same way. And I've come to understand that when you allow for the Holy Ghost to move, you can have unity without uniformity. In other words, I might not praise God like you. You might be loud, but I'm contemplative. I might not lift up holy hands and shout like you. I may just have to hold myself. Uh, I might not worship like you do because you're expressive and I'm an introvert. Uh, but we can be in the same space, serving the same 
same God, moved by the same Holy Ghost. I might not be as smart as you. I might not have as much money as you do. I might not have as many degrees as you do. I might not live in your neighborhood. We might not be the same ethnicity or the same shade. We might not wear the same clothes. But I want you to know that should not ever inhibit the fellowship. One thing that we can do is understand that when God brings us together, be it in a virtual platform or one day back in the sanctuary, we are worshiping the same God. The only thing that can stop the fellowship is if we ain't worshiping the same God. And and I would dare say, this ain't on my script, but I want to deviate for a moment, that, that when I look at religiosity in America, when, when I look at folks who claim to serve Jesus, I wonder what Jesus, what God uh, is they serving? When, when, when I hear certain folks tell us that we can give support to a president, previous president, who really had no morals, but he was carrying out a particular political agenda that was undergirded by white racism. I wonder what kind of God, we we can't fellowship in the same space because we ain't worshiping the same God because the God I know about the Jesus I serve, the Holy Ghost that moves in my life, uh, makes identification with those who are disenfranchised and marginalized and oppressed. And I know some of us are saying, but we all serve the same God. No, we don't. No, we don't. And and, and we got to be careful. Got to be careful. Even when it comes to black spiritual expressions that even all black folks ain't serving the same God. Preach Robert Charles Scott. Uh, uh, I know that I'm going to get in some hot water right now. And I know that some folks are looking at me kind of sconce right now. But, but you got to understand that the God of some of these cults that we are seeing popping up in the African American community ain't the God of Scripture. It is a made-up God that is based upon cultural ethos rather than truth and the word of God. Uh, But when you worship the same God, when you worship the God who raised Jesus from the dead, and, and, and I'm real suspect of folks who got issues with the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, uh, if we're praising the God that woke us up this morning and started us on our way and gave us health, life, and strength, put food on our table and clothes on our back and kept us in our right mind, when we get together, be it on a virtual platform or even in the church, we should not have any problem giving God praise. We should not have any problem singing that song, What a Fellowship. What a joy divine leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness. What a peace is mine leaning 
king on the everlasting arms. Can I do a church check right now? You may want to put some hearts or some thumbs or something in the chat room. I just need to see, is anybody I'm talking to leaning on our Jesus? Is there anyone that depends on our Jesus? Anyone that is trusting our Jesus? Anyone that don't mind worshiping our Jesus? Anyone that don't mind shouting about our Jesus? You can shout in your living room. You can shout in your bedroom. You can shout in your kitchen. You can shout in your gym. You can shout in your car. You ought to give God praise. We can't come together in the physical sanctuary, but we can sure have fellowship, even if it's virtual. So let everything that hath breath give God some praise. But then, not only do they have fellowship, but they had no problem sharing with each other. We see this in the B clause of verse 32. Bible says, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. The early church understood then, and we need to reclaim it now, that if they were going to survive, they could not depend upon governmental institutions. They could not depend upon financial organizations. They could not depend upon political parties or they even couldn't depend upon their families. You got to understand that back then, some of them were kicked out of their families because they followed Jesus Christ. They had to depend upon each other because of a spiritual connection that has led to a physical relationship. They fellowship with each other and it was in the fellowship that they share. When you have the spirit of Christ operating in your life, then you don't mind sharing. And I have discovered it's real tough for you to claim that you got the Holy Ghost and be stingy. When the spirit of God is in control of your being, you're not governed by the materialistic accoutrements of your reality. In other words, uh, there are some people who have a problem giving and some people who have issues sharing because they're defined and dominated by their material possessions. And they feel that if they give away their material possessions, if they give away their money, if they give away their things, uh, then they're losing a part of themselves. But the people of the early church were defined not by their things, but by the spirit that brought them together and bound them together in common agape love. Now, I need to clarify something because our ecclesiology in 2021 is jacked up. What is ecclesiology? Ecclesiology basically is uh, how the church operates. And our ecclesiology is messed up. So let me, if I could, give you proper interpretation of the ecclesiology of the early church that maybe we can look at adopting and adapting ourselves as far as that ecclesiology is concerned. And here it is. The sharing that they engage in was among those who were part of of the church. Let me let that set with you and marinate for a moment. The sharing wasn't for the outside world, but was for those on the inside. And it was the catalyst for the creation of spiritual community. Because it's real hard for you to share with folks outside the church if you can't share with those inside the church. Now, 
You can't give everybody anything because there's a whole lot of folks ain't going to appreciate it. I'm not talking about casting your pearls before swine. I'm not talking about giving to get people out of your face because too many people try to prostitute the church and play guilt trips on us. They engage in what I call uh, ecclesiastical mooching, uh, always asking but never contributing. They, 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 this sharing is for those who are on the inside, but their sharing really became a divine investment. I know I'm on good ground and I know I'm preaching good Bible. I don't care what you say or what you're thinking. I'm sticking with the text. Here it is. This type of giving empowered the disciples to make a personal investment into the work of the kingdom. This type of sharing was their investment to to the work of God that furthered the agenda of God. And they knew something we still don't get in 2021. That when you share for the sake of God's kingdom, God has a way of blowing your mind by empowering you to do things you never thought were possible. When you give because God first gave to you, then God can give you some incredible blessings. Some of us are not where we want to be because we are afraid to share in order to gain something more significant. The disciples realized they could not say they were saved by God's grace and not be willing to share. In our churches today, even as we engage in virtual space, we still have too many stingy, mean, grudging folks who claim to love God but will not share. When you think about what God has done for you, when you think about all that God has given to redeem you from your mess, save you from your sins, keep you from going to hell, you should have no problem giving and sharing. John puts this in perspective for me when he wrote, for God so loved the world that God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, The God I serve gave God's all to redeem us and therefore you and I should have no problem sharing with somebody else. When I think about what God gave up to redeem us, I have no problem giving. When I think about what God went through to save us and give us eternal life, I have no problem giving. That's because the same God who gave God's all can provide for us in our time of need. You and I are never defined by what we have. You and I are never defined by what we wear. You and I are never defined by our degrees and our status in society. You and I are not defined by the car we drive. We are defined by whose we are. And that's why I have no problem giving. The reason I have no problem giving is because I know who my daddy is. The reason I have no problem giving is because I know who my father is. And my father got it going on. My my, my father got it going on. Let me say that again. My father got it going on. My physical dad, Robert Funch, 
Lynch's is dead. My spiritual dad, uh, Dr. Charles Booth, is dead. Uh, but I have a father that's also their father. And I'm told by the songwriter that my father is rich in houses and land. He holdeth the world wealth of the world in his hands of silver and diamonds, of rubies and gold. His coffers are full. He has riches untold. I am a child of the king. Let me see if I can drop it where you can get it. I'm a child of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. I'm a child of Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. I'm a child of Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. I'm a child of El Shaddai, the great God. I'm a child of Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my better. Am I talking to any other king kids that know that the God we serve, our father, is never guilty of non-support? And he may not come when you want him, but I believe I got a few hundred of you all that are watching me online that will hit the chat button right now, explode it with hearts, and say he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Let me go ahead and wrap this thing up. I got five minutes before the noon hour. Finally, we are told that they were eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This, 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 this shouts me. This great grace empowered the apostles. The apostles were the one who saw the risen Savior. And they were able to testify about the resurrection of Jesus to the people who had not seen Jesus get up. This is where the rubber meets the road. This great grace that was upon the church is because of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, the apostles preach that Jesus got up from the grave bodily. Let me, if I could, I want to express that's a great miracle. Now, there are those in today's culture who claim to be part of the church who may deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus. But I want you to know that if you're going to be connected to the real Jesus, you got to understand that his resurrection wasn't spiritual or some transcendental move, it was a bodily resurrection. And it's a bodily resurrection because it is a foreshadowing of what our resurrection going to be like one day. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. The, the only reason that Easter makes sense for all of us is because God raised Jesus from the dead in bodily fashion. Uh, it is the essence of the good news that we call the gospel. Now, if you want to talk about great grace, it's connected to the fact that he who was dead is now alive. Uh -huh. And it is because that God raised him from the dead. It is Jesus's resurrection. That is the reality and the foundation of our church. Now, let me link resurrection and grace because there is a connection. Great grace is in the same verse as the resurrection being proclaimed by the apostles. The reality, the realness of Jesus' resurrection is the only reason the church is still alive today. And I don't care what anybody says about the church. The church is the best thing God's got going on the planet. 
And if the church was not in existence in general and the black church was not in our communities in particular, you think our communities are jacked up right now? If there was no St. Paul in the Belmont neighborhood, ain't no telling where the Belmont neighborhood would be. I ain't afraid. I'm standing on good ground. I'm standing on good ground. The, 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 the problem, the problem is that the essence of the resurrection has been preceded by the cruelty of the crucifixion. And that's a problem for a lot of folks. But that's the reality of being a follower of Jesus. There is, let me do a little teaching just for two minutes. Uh, there's this theory called Christus Victor. And it denotes that God and the forces of evil are in a battle with one another. And God, through Jesus, emerges victorious in the battle. And Christus Victor holds that while Satan and his demons are not really a rival to our God, they do have some power. To challenge the kingdom of God and the church. In the event of Calvary, Jesus looks like he's been defeated by the devil, death, and the grave. And, and, and it looks like the devil has won. It looks like the grave can claim the victory. But early on that Sunday morning, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he overcomes sin, death, the grave, and the devil. The apparent victory of evil is ultimately baffled through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's mystery. It's God's life-giving work to all of those who claim Jesus as Lord and Savior. So therefore, for all the disciples across the globe whose existence has been framed by life and death battles, against demonic forces like white supremacy, police brutality, racism and sexism and all the other isms that demean us from an economic and political structure. The understanding of the resurrection empowers us that do God's redemptive work because we're able to defy those structures that try to hold us down and keep us back. That's why we do the things that we do when it comes to the church. The apostles knew about persecution. They knew about trouble that was on the horizon, but they knew that there was something beyond the persecution. They knew there was something beyond the pain. They knew there was something beyond the problems of their reality. In other words, there can be no resurrection until there's been a death. Uh, there can be no resurrection until there's been a cross that you've been nailed to. But when God raised Jesus from the dead, uh, it, 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 it demonstrated to us the great grace of God. Jesus didn't deserve the mess he went through. Uh, Jesus did not deserve to be placed on a cross. Jesus did not deserve to die. The nails in his hand and in his feet, he didn't deserve it. The crown of thorns on his head, he didn't deserve it. The whipping that he took on the Thursday night, he did not deserve it. But the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin that you and I might obtain 
the righteousness of God. That's where grace is connected to the resurrection. When you and I are considered dead by the standards of the world, when we don't deserve another chance, when we've been out for the count and we know we don't deserve another chance, but the grace of God raises us from our dead situations. And then the grace of God steps into our predicaments and give us power to do things that we cannot do for ourselves. The apostles understood that resurrection for us is nothing more than the great grace of God in our lives. Back in Mississippi at the Oak Grove Missionary Baptist Church, my mother used to play the piano and the choir used to sing this song, Grace, Grace, God's Grace. His grace is sufficient for me, oh Lord. Grace, Grace, God's Grace. His grace will give you the victory. His grace will make you a winner. His grace will make you more than a conqueror. I just wonder, am I talking to anybody that knows something about the great grace of God? You're crazy enough to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Just one day, am I talking to anybody that knows something about the great grace of God? You're crazy enough to believe that if God can raise Jesus from the dead, that he can blow your mind with extraordinary things. Uh, there's no reason why God should go show great grace towards us. Because we have not dotted every eye. Yeah, and, and we have not crossed every T. Y'all got to excuse me, my Mississippi done slipped out. Uh, we don't deserve uh, God's great grace because we are so ungodly and we can be so carnal and we can be so worldly and we can be so unclean and we can be so undone. Can I preach it the way that I feel it? But uh, when I look back over my life, <laughs> yeah, I have to thank God uh, not just for regular grace. <laughs> but yes, uh, I got to thank God uh, for great grace. Uh, uh, can I preach it the way that I feel it? Uh, let me close my Bible because closing my Bible will help me to close this thing. Uh, we deserve uh, damnation. But through great grace, we have salvation. We deserve condemnation, but through great grace, we have justification. We deserve death, but through great grace, we have eternal life. We deserve separation, but through great grace, we have reconciliation. We deserve punishment, but through great grace, we have an acquittal. We deserve hell, but through great grace, we got access to heaven. We deserve nothing, but through great grace, we have what we need. And I don't know about anybody else, but I got to thank God for great grace. Because grace provides soul with salvation. Grace provides my heart with joy. Grace provides my mind with peace. 
grace provides my hand with tenderness. Grace provides my feet with strength to walk. Grace provides my life with a purpose. I just wonder, am I talking to anybody out there that knows something about great grace? Because of God's grace, God can transform the smallest into the biggest. Because of great grace, God can transform the useless into the useful. Because of God's great grace, God can transform the worst into the best, the least into the most, the lowest into the highest, the vilest into the purest, the meanest into the kindest, the poorest into the riches. Is there anybody out there that know God's grace can touch the untouchable, reach the unreachable, teach the unteachable, love the unlovable, reform the unreformable, redeem the unredeemable, comfort the uncomfortable, forgive the unforgivable, pardon the unpardonable. And that's why I can sing that song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved the rich just like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I fear through many dangers, toils and snares. I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. But this is a shelter for those who have gone on. And one day this will be our shelter. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I don't know about you, but I got to give God praise for great grace. I don't know about you, but I got to thank God for great grace. I don't know about you, but I got to lift up holy hands for God's great grace. Not ordinary grace, but great grace. Not regular grace, but God's great grace. And it's because of his grace. I'm able to preach the gospel is because of God's grace. You've been saved from your sins. So if you know anything about the grace of God, it ought to cause you to lift up holy hands, throw back your head, give God praise for great grace. Thank you, God, for great grace. I love you, God. great grace is sufficient even in the here and now. I want to take this opportunity, my brother, my sister, wherever you are right now, you got to understand that 
the great grace that was available in Acts 4 is saying that same great grace is available in the here and now. I think that one of the things that get me when I see people engage in society today, they say, listen, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. And um, I ain't got to go to church in order to have a relationship with God. You're, you're, you're exactly right. You ain't got to go. Um, but you miss out on so much. And, and there's a reason that the church has developed the way that it has. I ain't saying that it's perfect. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But listen, let me tell you, it's the church that's called to do the redemptive reconciliation work. We Listen, we're different than any organization that the world has created. And we got something that the world doesn't have. Y'all want to know what that is? Beside the Holy Ghost, the gospel. We have the gospel. We have the gospel. And it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that can make the difference in your life. What's that gospel? The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to invite you, if you're watching me right now, you're watching us right now, I want to invite you to a redeeming, transforming, liberating relationship with Jesus Christ. You're saying, how can I have that real easy? If you pray this prayer after me repeat this prayer and if you mean it in your head and heart eternal life is yours salvation is yours because you're saved by faith you're saved because of the grace of God and so if you will pray this prayer right now God can make a difference in your life I guarantee it so if you're watching me bow your heads and repeat after me God I want a relationship with you right now I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe that he died on a cross and that you raised him from the dead. And I believe one day he's coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit into my life. I want to live for you. I want to do what you would have for me to do. So I surrender to you. And I want you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, you mean that prayer sincerely? You're serious? Salvation is yours. Is it really that easy? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You're saved based upon your confession of your faith in Jesus Christ. Now what happens after salvation? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, if you've been saved... We want to baptize you. Baptism is a sign to the world that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We would love to baptize you, and we would love for you to be a part of our church family. So if you're watching us online, uh, if you're on St. Paul on our YouTube channel, just email connect at spbcnc.org. Tell us that you want to be baptized, or if you're watching us on Facebook or on our website, just type in salvation in the chat box. When our digital ministers will reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. Or if you're on the phone listening to us, you can email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call the church office at 704-334-5309.
and leave your name and number where we can contact you. If you do that by five o'clock tomorrow, somebody will reach out to you, would have reached out to you to let you know what next steps are. You may be saying, well, Pastor, I'm already saved, but I would love to make St. Paul my church home. I would love to connect with the tribe of St. Paul, the local fellowship known as St. Paul Church. We would love to have you. I would love to be your pastor. These men and women would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you want to join us based upon your relationship with Jesus Christ right now, follow those same instructions and just type in connect. If you're on our Facebook or website, type in connect. If you're listening to us on the phone or watching us on YouTube, email us at connect at spbcnc.org. Leave your name and your phone number or email address and somebody will contact you to let you know what the next steps are. We're taking in people virtually. People are joining our fellowship virtually. And this virtual capacity allows for us to have persons who claim to be part of our fellowship, even across the width and breadth of this country. Amen. Well, listen, I hope and pray that these services have been a blessing to you as we prepare to close out uh, this morning's worship experience. Thanks to all of those who have made this worship experience possible. Our media ministry, our music ministry, our musicians, our security, our finance team. Thank you, Reverend Peyton C., for sharing your devotional with our youth and children. We're getting ready to go. Thank you, Reverend Kelly Baptist, for leading us in worship. Here's the benediction for all of you. Now may the great grace of God empower, enrich, and rapture you throughout this week to do the work of our Lord, to hold up the bloodstained banner and be a bright light shining on a dark, sinful world, knowing that God loves you. Now unto him who is able to keep you and bless you and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy, totally wise God, our Savior, be majesty and glory, dominion and power both now and forevermore. Amen. Listen, St. Paul, I love you. I miss you immensely. Uh, the pandemic is not over. I want to encourage you. Get your vaccination. Continue to wear your mask. Continue to practice social distancing. Continue to wash your hands. This thing is not over by any stretch of the imagination. And continue to pray for us as we make ready for you to come back into the sanctuary one day in the near future. God bless you all. Have a smile upon you. I love you. God loves you even more. Amen.